Hi everyone, this is Tony Stevens, Director of Communications with the American Foundation for the Blind, and we're excited to bring to you a new podcast, Access World. It's going to drop each month, so be sure to subscribe. It goes along with our quarterly publication, and this first episode is a crossover with our Inform and Connect podcast. So here we go. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Inform and Connect podcast. I'm hanging out with my good colleague and fantastic partner in crime, Tony Stevens. Hello. Hey, buddy. We are talking today about accessing the world. Are you excited about this topic, Tony? I'm very excited because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of access on conversations here at AFB. In fact, that's one of today's topics that we'll be looking at. But it's, a, it's a world that is uh, needs to be more accessible, and we're working to make that happen. It does. And, you know, one of the things I want to point out here is we talk a lot about AFB, about employment access. But when we're talking about digital inclusion, we're really talking about how it touches every part of our lives, right? Like our personal, professional, all the things, right? It is it is hands down the the thing that I, I heard a, another podcast where they were interviewing a blind author. And, you know, the they had the conversation of technology is all technology is assistive. Right. And right. we live in a world where if we lose our phones tomorrow, it's it, it, it wouldn't just be people who are blind or low vision that are impacted. The entire world would just freak out. Oh, yeah. In a massively bad way. I mean, just not a small freak out. It would be like, I don't know, Armageddon. Yeah. Freak yeah. Out. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't think of another person to better have here with us than our editor in chief of Access World, our very own Aaron Priest. Hey, Aaron, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're, Tony and I are really excited to have you, Aaron, and I um, just can't wait to hear your story and move us along here because you've been here at, at the American Foundation for the Blind for a while now, just a minute. Um, can you tell uh, the audience how long you've been with AFB? I have been with AFB um, off and on since I was a, um, not even a sophomore in high school. When I was 15 years old, I was a, a high school intern back in 2006. Um, I've joined uh, full-time in 2013, and then I was a college intern before that. Uh, so I've been around for a really long time at AFB off, off and on. Yes, you have. That is awesome. So you've got to get work experience here, and that's a big thing we might even touch on in this segment. So that's great. Can you kind of talk us through, so you're our editor-in-chief of our amazing publication, Access World, and you've been doing a lot of new stuff. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about the history of Access World? Sure. So Access World, I think it was back in maybe eight, sometime in the 80s or very early 90s. I think it actually might have been 1985. Access World started out as a, I think it was Braille and cassette uh, publication called Tactic, ran by our... Um, longtime writer, uh, Deborah Kendrick, who writes for Access World. Um, so she ran this tactic magazine. You subscribe to it and you would get the, the cassette mailed to you or uh, get the, pretty sure there was Braille. Um, in about 99 or 2000, I think Access World actually launched in 2000, but um, we uh, purchased that from her and turned it into an online magazine, really at the very dawn of the, you know, the internet, the internet had been around for a while, you know, five or 10 years probably at that point. Um, but we were really, uh, it was one of the, that was when AFP really put the push on online content uh, really, really fairly early on uh, compared to what you'd see later. Um, so Access World has been online uh, for 23 years now. Um, it started out bi-monthly uh, about 2011, uh, went to a monthly publication. Uh, it's a quarterly publication now um, with our recent change. Um, 
traditionally access world essentially published anything and everything related to blindness and blindness and low vision and technology it could be really really any topic um a lot of uh, especially early on we did a lot of reviews of assistive technology um people might remember if anybody's an access world reader you might remember in the mid 2000s there was a lot of research and work done on um uh, diabetes technology so insulin pumps and blood glucose meters and that sort of thing um in started probably in the 2010s once the the iphone really changed the landscape so in the last probably 10 or 10 to 13 years or so um we've had a lot been uh, had the opportunity to um report on a lot more mainstream technology just because it's so much more accessible than it used to be uh, i remember back in the day we get a cell phone or we get a kindle and we do an article on it but the article was basically well this isn't accessible or this one section of this product is accessible now pretty much anything we review uh for the most part there's still things that are not accessible or have serious issues but when we just when we pick things, oftentimes they are very accessible. It's been a really just if you look back through the Access World archives, it's a great look at the changing landscape of of accessibility, just based on the things we've covered and the, the things we say about the technology that we're reviewing and the kinds of technology we're reviewing. So you were talking about how Access World has really been there for, you know, a lot of the consumer things. And it's fantastic that, yeah, when you think about how much the world has become accessible now. In, in all the devices that we have access to ourselves as people who are blind, that stuff that's even free, you know, back in the days when we used to have expend exorbitant amounts. I mean, there's still mm -hmm. a lot of high tech assistive tech out there, but as, as access world's recently been undergoing some, some, you know, sort of positive direction changes and sort of a new direction. And it's really focusing as well, sort of pulling the lens back and trying to reach out just beyond that particular, you know, core audience, but how can we, how can we sort of preach access to the masses on a much larger scale, uh, which is exciting. That's one of the things about, you know, this is also the podcast, the first episode of the Access World podcast, which is great. And we'll be doing this podcast each month, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, this is part of this larger change and, and how the, the focus has been sort of pulled back in a sense to broaden the, broaden the impact that Access World can make. Sure. So, I would say at AFB in general, we're looking uh, as in the last several years in particular, we've really looked to try to make the greatest impact we can. Um, we uh, say systems change, uh, looking to impact uh, industries as a whole um, to make positive changes that way. We have our new uh, talent lab program where we train uh, interns and apprentices, teach them, they're both sighted and blind, uh, teaching them about accessibility and they go through a full, um, you know, year long or more uh, course learning about accessibility and how to be you know, product project managers and um, accessibility, uh, you know, add accessibility to their coding if they are, if there's um, computer science students. So as sort of as part of that and, and uh, using that as a springboard, we were able to, uh, with Access World, we wanted to promote digital inclusion as a whole and kind of reach out to the greater technology industry and, and also employment just to uh, try to get bring knowledge to the industry on accessibility and on hiring practices and that sort of thing. So what we've discovered, I'll, I'll use the product, um, our new product evaluations as an example of kind of how things have changed. So historically, we've always um, aimed our product reviews at consumers and direct service providers such as TVIs or rehabilitation professionals. So what we've done now, if you look at our current reviews, they are 
in addition to they do provide, you know, they're going to still provide you with the information on what well, is this accessible or not? Is this something you would want to use or not? You'll, you'll have the, the data there to make that decision for yourself. Uh, for but in a, the rating, you know, on an accessibility scale, almost this, will this work for you? Yes. yes. So you'll have all the, the details of what works, what doesn't, you know, what, how big are the issues that are actually experienced, that sort of thing. Um, but what we're trying to do as well in those articles, in addition, um, we've kind of changed up the formula, so to speak. So now in addition to just, instead of just giving you the, um, the details of this, is this accessible or not? We are also focusing on, well, is there something in this, if you're a developer, is there something in this app or, or a way they're implement, implementing accessibility that you can mimic yourself? Um, or there are these, what are the issues that you should avoid as a developer, as a developer yourself? Uh, what, what pitfalls can you avoid by looking at what, uh, you know, what needs to be fixed in this particular app or service? Um, so it's, we're looking to ex essentially expand the audience uh, from the consumer and direct service providers to in include the uh, developers, um, decision makers, HR managers, and, and people hiring, people involved in hiring uh, people looking to enter the accessibility industry or industry professionals themselves, accessibility professionals, looking to expand that audience and um, try to make a greater impact because we have a lot of expertise in these areas and we have a lot of, you know, connections and that sort of thing. We it's, we want to share this this knowledge as much as we can. Um, and so that's that's been the the impetus behind the change um, and the, like the refocus, yeah. I would say, in Access World in the last year. One of one of the things, Aaron, I, I love this is you, Tony, we all three of us can agree is that we get a ton of questions about that. You know, hey, you know, we want to be more accessible. We want to hire people that are blind. We just don't know how to do it. And I mm -hmm. really giving them the tools and, and, you know, expanding this to say, hey, you know, just take the first step. Like, you know, one, thank you for reaching out and saying you wanting to, but two, for us to give those uh, what you're talking about, that extra thing is fantastic. What do you think, Tony? No, I, I think it's great. And when you look at this summer issue that just dropped at the end of August, uh, when you when you listen to it on the podcast, as we'll be sort of featuring some of the writers in the Access World podcast that break down the stories even more and give you a little bit more grounding in them. But just go into the afb.org slash aw for Access World. That's afb.org slash aw and check out the summer issue of Access World. And it's it's really interesting. I mean, we can dive into some of the some of the articles, um, you know, that that are that are in that. I think, Aaron, but it's it it gives a good sense of, you know, here's things that we obviously need to know that that are important things for the people that nerd out on this stuff. But at the same yes. time, if you're new to it, uh, and everybody hears about accessibility. You know, there's a there's a really popular book that's gaining traction now that talks an awful lot about accessibility in it and blindness. Uh, there are. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you hear more about like audio description and things like that. Like it's becoming mm -hmm. more of a mainstream understanding the same way that, you know, certain things after the ADA became very apparent very quickly, like curb cuts and things like that. I mean, the digital inclusion space is kind of the modern, the modern push around just, you know, disability rights and, and equality and inclusion. So, yeah, I mean, can we dive into some of the articles? Cause you got a, some fascinating stuff in this. this yes, you do. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I, I can go through it. Um, so this issue kind of has a dual uh, dual focus. So it is the summer issue. So we have a couple articles uh, focusing on, and this will be out of the order of the, the table of contents. Uh, but so we have a couple articles focusing on um, sort of summer related topics. So we first, uh, we covered 
uh, during the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple hosted this year back in June, I believe, um, there were several um, accessibility sessions, really good quality accessibility sessions on adding um, various types of accessibility to different Apple products and apps and that sort of thing. Um, so we, we showcased those in an article. Um, and then in addition, historically Access World has done a back to school issue in July. And so we are quarterly now, so the summer issues in August. So what we did is we did a kind of as a nod to that and to kind of cover that topic, uh, we did a review of Google Classroom uh, this year. That's what we use here at AFB with our Talent Lab participants. Uh, actually, the participants are kind of advanced uh, interns and uh, apprentice uh, did did the peer uh, the pair testing and did the essentially did the report. Um, so it really uh, the Google Classroom article is, is interesting because it's um, it showcases, it gives you all the details, like I said before, about how the product reviews work, uh, but it kind of gives you a little bit of an inside glimpse into the kinds of things we look for as testers and how we evaluate, you know, uh, using WCAG references and that sort of thing. So people um, will get a, a glimpse of that and, and how that kind of uh, works internally somewhat, uh, just based on the the flow and the, um, the structure of the article. That's and again, that's such a important issue right now is yes. there's always uh, online especially online learning is so common now um just across the board in k-12 uh as you know obviously in college um so so many more people i can't imagine based on compared to when i was in school and i remember using blackboard in college but i can't imagine now the amount of time students are probably spending on online learning platforms and it's uh it's been always at least from what i've remember and what I've seen, it's been hit or miss uh, accessibility wise. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was a really important topic to cover. And uh, we're really thankful to have uh, access to Google Classroom and to be able to base this art. What I think too is it's nice that we were able to base this article, not just on testing it for a month or whatever. These, the people that wrote the article have been using Google Classroom, both people that are, I think, low vision and uh, one-sided guy, uh, a low vision slash blind person. Um, and they have been able to base their article somewhat on they've had the experience with using Google Classroom for their assignments and then like in the real world situation over the last entire year. Um, so it's not just a let's take a look at it for a couple of weeks, which is, you know, in a lot of cases, that's what you're going to end up with when you try to review these kind of products. So I was really thankful that I was able to get them to write that article well, uh, just because they were able yeah. to share their real experience. And it's Can not the three of, oh, sorry. <laughs> Can the three of us pause on this for a second and kind of talk about what this means to us as, as blind individuals. I mean, for me, um, you know, education is so important. You know, I'm a parent of a, an eighth grader and a first grader, and um, I don't get to experience going back to school is quite stressful when I'm me as a parent trying to look at what my kids are learning about, what they're accessing. They're using Google Classroom. They're using all these things, but there are other elements that the school systems use <clears throat> that not necessarily are accessible with how frustrating it is from a parent point of view. Um, I'd like to hear your experience, Tony, um, as a parent as well. And then also yours, Erin, as, as a student that, you know, coming from just since you highlighted that in the beginning. Well, I, I think in some sense, this is what's great about the new sort of direction that Access World is taking in, in that the entire world is now tethered even more because of the pandemic, right? I mean, right. And, and you mentioned a minute ago, Erin, about how you know, it was more of like out of school type functions, right? Or distance learning and things like that. But it is, it is fully integrated into, I got a sixth grader and an eighth grader that started this week in school back in Baltimore city. 
and it the Baltimore City Schools have have really integrated not just Google Classroom, but I mean, it's it's great that you know you talk about too what Access looks like in these spaces because there's other apps like Clever and all these other tools that people use for their education that the, the city sort of mandate mm-hmm. and that you got to use. And as a parent, even you know, it's good to be able to get on there and make sure. Did my son actually upload his homework? Like he yes. said, yes. You know, Did he the get the grade they actually that, said they got? <laughs> yes. Have a lot of pressure on them to perform. I mean, you have like first, second, third graders that basically are needing to become, you know, somewhat of an IT, not a wizard per se, but, but yeah. And then when you're a blind parent or even a blind child in school or a blind college student or a college student who's low vision, so much of this stuff ties into just it's it's fully integrated now into the learning experience. There's no more papers that come home. We, there's never anything that comes home anymore from kids. It's crazy. Right. It's all uh, pushed through these channels for these portals for education and learning. Even tracking their buses, which, by the way, is not fairly accessible. But yes. What about you, Aaron? What are your thoughts on this? So for me, I come from a different place because I, I graduated about 10 years ago um, from my uh, university. Um, so when I was in school, it was... Um, there really wasn't, especially in, in K-12, there was nothing online. I mean, you'd go to the computer lab for a very specific assignment, but I was the only one, um, you know, using a laptop in class, emailing things. To, I was very honestly fortunate that I was able to um, email papers to my teachers instead of having to try to print them out and hope that they looked right or trying to find someone to double check and make sure that they looked right when they printed, that sort of thing. Um, and then in, in college, you know, some stuff was on Blackboard, but again, um, most of it was still paper. Um, and, you know, and even then, again, I'm in the dorms, uh, printing something out and hoping that I can catch like a desk attendant to take a look at it to let me know. So it was interesting to me. Uh, one thing I, I vividly remember that the, um, the Kindle app for iOS became accessible in like May or June or something of 2013, right at the end of, uh, right, like early quarter 2013. And I was thinking, man, if this had been made accessible, like a yeah. It's such a great. I, I'll I'll yeah. I'll say I love the Kindle. I use it all the time. Uh, but man, I if it had, like it was a big deal when it was um, they when they made it fully accessible because it was a big undertaking for them, um, and they really did a fantastic job. But man, I remember thinking, oh, this would make my life so much easier if this was accessible when I was in college. Right. Um, Not just being to able to access, all your books. Yes. Oh, the, yeah. Being able to just read them on my phone like I would any other book, and oh man, I and so I see this from. Uh, kind of outside through articles. I have friends that are teachers. I have, you know, friends that are teaching, you know, at uh, entirely online to, you know, K through five. And like you said, Tony, the people, uh, kids that are first grade on or kindergarten on are now expected to have the knowledge to do their assignments online, submit their assignments, log into Zoom, use Zoom um, or whatever platform they're using. Um, it's just amazing. It's amazing to me, the changed landscape. Um, and then what also just based on what platform are you on? If you are using windows at home and then you've got an iPad at school or you're on a, you know, you're given a Chromebook or something, that's it for a blind person. I, I would say, uh, be curious what your all's thoughts are, but when you switch, say screen readers, um, learning voiceover on the Mac versus jaws or NVDA or something on, on windows, Chromevox. It's a, yeah. yeah, Chromevox. Yes. They're all very, it's different than someone, I would say different than someone, you know, for someone's side of the interface is a little different, but, you know, mouse navigation, that sort of thing is, is fairly similar. Um, but it's such a bigger jump uh, just with the, just based on what platform you're using. 
um, if you're bl or blind or low vision, oftentimes. Um, so like it's different kinds of cars. It's like different types of transportation where like, yeah, you know, a train, a plane and a car will get you from Washington to New York, but it's, you know, th they go about different ways. You got to do different processes. You got to go wait in a line here. Or you got to travel here. Or you got to take you longer to do this. And it's, yeah, that's that was a such a great allergy, my friend. Good one. I like it a lot. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Mark, not to be used without express written consent. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it, and you gotta, we're like, you know, life hackers when it comes to this stuff. I no, mean, it's, totally yeah. The, you know, speaking of school starting and one of the saddest parts of school starting, well, other than seeing my kids get older. One yeah. Time, yeah. Uh, was they can't play their video games anymore. And oh, one of the yes. things I love in this quarter, Aaron, is one from you on accessible gaming, which has really been taking off. One of the big things that, you know, uh, the, the what's the big uh, consumer technology conference each year in Vegas uh, this year that won some of the access worlds was like the the um, the Sony PlayStation building in accessibility into it. There's been a lot of space in the accessibility gaming space. And there's a really cool article I enjoy in this issue. Folks should check it out. AFB.org slash AW uh, on accessible gaming. Talk a little bit about that. And, and it's kind of a personal thing that you're into as well as someone who's blind. You know, yeah, I can. This has been I'm so thrilled to be able to do a, sort of a category now on, on gaming. I've done you know, we've, we've done gaming content in Access World before um, some of the game I, I feature in this. Um, I actually reviewed um, back in the day. But so gaming, I'm a I would say I'm a gamer, probably. I don't, I don't know if, how what that label entails, but I, I, I play a lot of video games and always have. Um, it's it's been important recently because for the longest time, games were either accessible by accident um uh, people would play say like a, a fighting game because you're just on a 2d plane um you can't really go that many places if there's stereo audio you can tell who's on the left who's on the right what's you know that kind of thing um so you, games were maybe accessible by accident or it was like a hobbyist made the game um they want to play a, a first person shooter and they know other blind people want to play a first person shooter so they make their own um and it's like one guy one or two people uh that are blind themselves making these things and they did a really good job um but so that was oftentimes until I would say the last since maybe 2015, 2016, even it was it's a very recent thing that accessibility has been added to, especially AAA games. Um, the Last of Us 2 was a major landmark in accessibility when it added a full set of accessibility suite options um, for all kinds of disabilities. But it was one of the first it was really, I think, the first to add um full blindness accessibility in particular um and so we wanted to in access world start a, a and then other people have, have followed suit since then uh you had the the original last of us is now accessible um there's a couple others i know diablo 4 um that just came out recently everybody's playing um is mostly accessible i think they're looking to improve the accessibility even more with that one um there was so, uh, hearthstone the hearthstone game from blizzard uh, someone made a mod for that that was uh, Blizzard kind of um, accepted uh, or uh, um, acknowledged. And it allowed people to play blind and low vision people to play Hearthstone, the card game on a level playing field with their sighted peers and, and you know, achieve the same impressive uh, ranks on the leaderboard and everything else that their sighted peers can. Um, so to start out our category, I did an article in this issue covering sort of the history of game accessibility and why it's important now. Um, I covered 
really it's a, it's an intro article. It's it's meant to get you started. If you are a developer, if you're interested in game accessibility at all, I I really aimed to give a high level view of accessibility in gaming, and and it's an it's a complicated topic because you have something like for like websites or apps, you've got things like WCAG uh, to give you all the guidelines are there. You follow these guidelines and your thing, your, your app or website or what have you is going to be pretty accessible. If you um, follow the, the guidelines, they're pretty straightforward um, it, when you're it, dealing the with guidelines or yeah. web content, accessibility guidelines, WC. Yes. What we call yes. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's good. Uh, so yeah, so that it's when you're dealing with, and that's something I mentioned in the article too, is when you're most of the time, when we talk about accessibility, we're talking about static content or like a web app. So think, like we said, Google Classroom, Google Docs, um, you know, Zoom, um, op, the, op, the online office or the offline, you know, very uh, still complicated, but still fairly static programs. Even if you go into something like video editing or audio editing or anything like that, um, you're still working with a fairly static program when it comes to accessibility. Mm -hmm. Gaming can be anything. You know, Hearthstone was be was made to be accessible because it's a card game, and you just need to figure out how do I place cards, um, how do I get the information. Um, I don't know how many people are familiar with something like Breath of the Wild, the Zelda game that's super popular. Um, that game has tons of vertical movement. So, like, you might be on a mountain and you see something interesting on a mountain miles away, or you know, in game miles away. And then you jump off the mountain and use your glider to go over to this mountain miles and miles away, you know, a significant distance from you. That's something you just saw blurry in the distance that you want to check out. How do you make that accessible? How do you make that level of vertical, vertical movement and vertical access accessible and that, that level of motion and that sort of thing? Completely different games. You know, the, the kind of accessibility you have to add Hearthstone has got a great mod and it, he did a fantastic job with the design. The, uh, the, the UI design is fantastic. Um, but the idea behind it is fairly, you know, with, with something like Hearthstone or something that's uh, more static or even like a, a two, say like the old, old video games, like an old Mario game or something, making those accessible is going to be a lot more straightforward than something like modern games where with a lot of 3d, 3d movement, a lot of very precise tracking, that sort of thing. So it's a, in general, it's a complicated topic. So we um, we covered various disability, um, adding accessibility for various disabilities. So say for someone with hearing loss, um, there's a, fan, a fascinating game called Alien Isolation. And a lot of that game, you have your, um, your focus is on the audio. You have to listen for the alien and the ducks above you. Uh, you have to watch how much noise you're making or pay attention to how much noise you're making. If like people attack you, are they going to draw the alien to you? That sort of thing. So for, say, someone with hearing loss, um, you would want to potentially add some way of adding visual cues for those kinds of audio um, instances when it's, when it's important like that. Um, you know, we did some information for people with cognitive disabilities, uh, motor, um, that sort of thing. And then I also focused on uh, blindness accessibility in particular, because that's another, you know, uh, fairly complex topic. And like I said, with the, the Breath of the Wild and Hearthstone example, it's a so many different ways you can add accessibility. So I, I do, um, I use the, the audio, there's an audio based game, uh, or role playing game called Manamon uh, by a company called VG Storm. And so in this article, I do an audio demonstration of the navigation options in, in their title. Um, and then I also, there's another uh, role playing game called a hero's call which has a completely 
really a completely opposite um, navigation style, two completely opposite ways of, of, of showing and depicting the um, visual environment in audio and allowing you to, to navigate effortlessly, really, um, but completely different ways. So it's, um, it, this, this really is meant to serve as, a, as an intro and it's just, it, this is a huge, there's tons of untapped, uh, untapped possibilities in gaming accessibility because there's so many ways you can take it. There's so many different types of games that could be made accessible. And the fact that people are taking it seriously now is amazing to me um, that the AAA studios are taking it seriously and they really taking the extra time and effort to uh, to make their games accessible. It's, it's such an exciting yeah. My kids are so into their role-playing games and it's it's something that they can share with their friends. I mean, that the, mm-hmm. there's inclusion in that space because they don't, I, I have to kick them outside. Like they just don't go hang outside anymore. It's all, you know, all mm-hmm. online with their friends playing RPG games, but it's, it's the immersion that when you think about it, this goes beyond games. Like I, I noticed this past several months, my iPhone, when I would do directions, it would start playing tones to let me know the direction I'm walking in. You know, it was like, it started doing, and I know what was it? The Microsoft soundscape was doing mm, that. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that technology of immersion. It's that's kind of the, the, the frontier still of accessibility in this digital age. And it's exciting that the technology with AI and with the the new technology coming out of South Korea with semiconductor possibly that can make huge supercomputers that are very small, but just like, you know, enormous potential that we can get this immersion that the game is just like the first chapter in, in this whole new world of accessibility for us in the digital space. Yeah. And I, I want to add to this, going back to what you said, Aaron, about, you know, these kids that are blind or low vision having equal footing with their sighted peers. I mean, let's just talk about the peer pressure of being a kid, right? I mean, not all that, but like AI, but these kids are getting ready. They're actually interacting with their sighted peers and have a sleepover and they can have something to play alongside. Yes. And they don't Mm -hmm. have to sit in the corner. I mean, I mean, look, we've all been there, right? I mean, even today, the conversations will be in a loud restaurant. I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and absorb this because I can't hear a thing. But it does. It gives that element of uh, inclusion and, and kids can better understand that differences are not a bad thing. They're actually quite good and and really broaden their environment. So I really wanted to thank you for bringing that up, too. It's clear that you're passionate about it. I mean, can you share a little bit about your own blindness? Did Were you blind as a child or low vision as a child? And then, um, you know, what what the experience was like? Because you, I guess, grew up in the 90s. When, when really a lot of the online game in that world started creating. But talk a little bit about your own vision loss and because it's an interesting... Uh, sure. So, as well as professional for you. Yeah. So I have a condition called Lieber's congenital amaurosis. Um, so it's, it's kind of related to RP, um, not as common. Um, and I... So I, from what I can tell, I started out with um, worse vision than most people with RP that I know but my vision has decreased more gradually. Um, So when I was a kid, I had pretty, I mean, it was still really bad, but it was um, (laughs) fairly high functioning, low vision. Um, And when you're talking about like uh, interacting with your peers and that I was, I was fortunate that I could still like with game, we we were all, me and my friends were all huge gamers, especially in school. Um, So I was able to play games I could see just well enough to play a lot of the especially back then it was I was fortunate that the games weren't nearly as uh, complex and realistic as they are now much more bright colors and much more simple simple shapes and that kind of thing so it was a lot easier to play 
Um, but yeah, so I started out pretty low vision. Um, interestingly, at least for me, I, I find that not a lot of people seem to be uh, have done this. I'd be curious. I'm, I'm curious if you've. I don't know what your all's visions is like, but or um, I found that I never, as much as I had low vision, I did not like using my vision. I've always kind of functioned as if I were blind. I found you doing things as if I were blind to be an easier and more efficient way for me to do things. Um, so I would only really use my vision um, when I had to. So I, you know, basically playing video games and um, doing math on my uh, CCTV. Yeah. Um, use Braille growing up. Um, I, I'm not, it's hard to even tell how, when my vision started decreasing. I've lost all my color vision at this point. I used to have some, I'm not sure when that happened, probably in high school. Um, I, kind of funny. I remember in high school, uh, there was a room I was in all the time with my TVI and there was a chair in there. And I thought for probably the first three years I was in school that that chair was orange and it was gray. Um, so apparently I lost my color vision at some, you know, like I said, it's gradual enough that I don't even notice until I try to do something I used to be able to do. Um, video games are actually a good example um, because I would try to play something and I go, Oh, can't see this anymore. That's new. Yeah. Um, so by the time I was in college, um, you know, still have low vision. I can see, say the difference between a sidewalk and a, in the grass, like I've got a, a black lab guide dog. I can see her against my light colored carpet. Um, that sort of thing, but not, I, I function, you know, pretty much as if I were blind just because I don't, my vision's not all that useful anymore. Yeah. I, um, my, myself. So I was, I was born with a, a retinal, uh, genetic retinal disease. It's really rare. And, um, so I was, I was all, I'm, you know, if I sat in the front room of the classroom, uh, you know, when I was in, going through grade school and stuff, I could kind of read the board, had a TVI, you know, and that kind of stuff. But then, but then I went total when I was 15. Um, and then for eight years was like that, but then was able to get, they were able to get like a, a slither of like a pinhole, right. in one eye back eight years later, but I don't really use, I mean, it's not, it's not really usable. Like it's, it's something, right. So I can't say it's just, you know, avoid, you know, there's, it's not that there's no light perception, like, you know, was it 10, 15% of the population, you know, majority of people, you know, we say blindness and majority of people, I uh, think it's, you know, this or that, but it's mm -hmm. not right. Right. And, uh, but I, but I hear you because it's like, yeah, there's, you know, I, I tune out and it's just, it's still that eight years of just being with no real usable vision period. Um, you know, the audible stuff, which is why I loved one of the things that we, we drop that will drop in this podcast feed for the new access world podcast is you did an audio recording demoing the, uh, money Mon game, right? Money Mon, am I saying that right? Manamon, I think. Manamon, yeah. Manamon yeah. game, <laughs> and uh, and it's 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 so cool because it is just like, it's it's the sounds where you you create. It's like reading a good book, and mm -hmm. you get the vision of of that what that person looks like in your head, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's the world, right? It's still it does kind of this cool job of I'm imagining this room that you're you're walking around it, and it, whether it's it's you know it could be a, a very visual game to begin with, but I still have in my head this idea of what it is just because of the interactions that you demonstrate, but then using sound and sonic tone. And it was, it was cool. That was really cool. So we'll, we'll put that in the podcast feed, but yeah, it was um, yeah. I, I, in that sense of just like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I live as a, as a person pretty much is blind. I don't, you know. I, I am a person that's totally blind. I'm listening to the two of you um, talk about this and 
I did not have a, I'm going to say teacher of visual impairment because in case some of our listeners don't know what a TVI is. Um, but I, you know, I totally sighted blindness, not in my wheelhouse and lost my eyesight extraordinary, very, very suddenly lights out basically almost overnight um, due to optic nerve damage. But, you know, for me to hearing you guys talk about that, like listening to a good book or whatever you're saying, like I, I it paints such a picture in my head, you know, like when I see these things in my head, they're very real to me and they're very, um, you know, like I can see them. Like, I think we tend to think we see with our eyes, but we don't, we, you know, we see with our visual cortex. And so getting, using our other senses to put that information in, I just, it's uh yeah, just to throw that two cents in there. But and- I like this because now I can, you know, play a game or two with my son, who's definitely a gamer. It's, you know, you said, I trying to kick him out to go to the pool and I wanted to live there during the summer. Well, and it's just that more immersion. It's only it's only going to get better, I imagine, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Are we right to at least be positive? I mean, the glass is half full. That when we oh, look at sure. where we're going with AI and technology and stuff, I mean, the world, this digital inclusion world, will be more more inclusive because they're they're tackling that immersion, the big thing that hasn't been tackled yet, to make it feel like, you know, we're really part of it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's exciting that the, you know, access world is sort of taking on this direction, you know, not just to sort of bridge the divide and expand to a larger audience, but in some sense evangelize. I mean, the, the, the talent lab folks are learning accessibility, but they're also in a sense going out there and evangelizing thanks to participating mm-hmm. in the access world and really, really taking it to the streets, as you would say. Yeah. And I would say in general too, for the, the rest of this issue is kind of a, a way of, of getting people who are new to accessibility whether they be a developer or um, and the gaming article is part of are part of that kind of getting it's sort of an intro. This issue kind of became an int- introduction issue. Um, we have two other articles, two interviews, uh, one covering uh, with uh, Kayla Campfield from from Salesforce, covering uh, getting into the like what would it, what what's it like uh, getting into the accessibility industry? What do you need to know? You know what kind of credentials do you need to have? Uh, what benefits you if you're looking to to get into this industry? Um, and do accessibility work. And then we, um, uh, Steve, we did an interview with Steve. Uh, I'm going to get his name wrong because I've only ever heard it, uh, my screen reader say it. Uh, it says Sachin, but I'm not sure if that's the pr- pronunciation. Uh, works Worked with Target, works at Health Partners Steve, now. You're listening. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying. We're trying, Steve. If you're playing <laughs> voiceover for Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he did a fantastic, he's got a great uh, resume, um, you know, very, involved in the accessibility, various accessibility projects and in the industry for a while. So his article kind of covers um, what it um, goes over the basics of um, kind of being an accessibility evangelist, if you want to go that real route, or if you are a developer yourself, where you can get started in learning about accessibility. So those kind of that trio of articles um, sort of gives people an introduction to, to the industry and kind of gets you started for people that are interested in it. It's exciting. I mean, there, there very well is a demand on the horizon if we keep moving in this direction mm-hmm. and we keep being mm-hmm. successful. With what you're, the, all the work that you and all the writers, your whole team of folks at Access World are doing. And I'm excited by the podcast. Uh, mm, me too. For sure. To you and, and nerd out on this stuff uh, a lot more, but it's going to be exciting to have this podcast launch. And, and yeah, so thanks for everything you guys are doing over it and uh, the whole team. Uh, guys in the Midwestern, non-ginger specific sense. Um, <laughs> But yeah, everybody over at Access World. So, yes, it's um, it's really exciting, and I can't thank you enough. It's 
so fun when you get to spend your Monday morning hanging out with your coworkers. I just want to say. Yes, it's just like a really sure. long uh, coffee uh, water cooler. Coffee. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Talking about all those words. Work soon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we get to advocate and hang. I love it. <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm super excited for you know Access World. If if you guys want to learn more about Access World, as Tony is plugged, I'm going to do it again. AFB.org/aw where you can learn all of these great things. And I would always, if you're not subscribing, go ahead and, and click and subscribe too, because we have that option there for Access World. And something I'd add too, is that the the entire backlog of Access World going back to the very first issue is available on our website for free. So you can you can go back, like I talked about earlier, the uh, kind of the history of accessibility sort of seen through Access World. But if you ever are interested in any of Access World, it's all there online for you, all, all freely accessible, e- easy to access. And we all love the word free because it's fun. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much, Aaron. If they, thank you people, for having us. Yes. If people want to reach you, Aaron, how could they do that? I know you're on the website. Is there any other thing you want to add to uh, before we, we let these lovely people go and, you know, start looking at Access World? Yeah, um, probably the best way to reach me would be through my email. Um, it's apreece at afb.org and priest is P-R-E-E-C-E. Uh, so a priest at afb.org is the best way to get a hold of me personally. Great. Aaron, thank you so much. Tony, do you have anything left before we wrap this up? No, this is exciting. We're now, and we have uh, doubled our podcasts in the sense of uh, it's going to be nice to have another podcast as, as part of uh, I'm, I'm here in my little recording studio I have in my home office and it's, I'm going to start calling this the AFB studio. I'm going to start <laughs> building mine out with more equipment. S- same. Yes. We're all going to nerd out on this. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging with us today. Again, Aaron, thank you, Tony. And if you want to learn more about AFB and our initiatives, you can visit AFB.org. And don't forget, guys, go sign up for Access World. Sharing is caring. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. You've been listening to Access World, a podcast of the American Foundation for the Blind. Thanks for listening and feel free to subscribe, like, and share wherever you listen to your podcasts. Suggestions, thoughts, comments can be sent to communications at afb.org. And you can access the publication Access World by going to afb.org aw. To learn more about our programs, research, and advocacy at the American Foundation for the Blind, visit our website at www.afb.org and even consider making a tax-deductible gift today. It helps our work. AFB, creating a world of no limits for people who are blind or have low vision. Thank you.